0: This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
1: The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with muck delivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you in. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at Participating restaurants, 18 Plus rewards registration required, points only on menu items delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com Hello, welcome to Rob Ryan Red, the Wrexham podcast brought to you by Red 10 People Development. Wrexham's promotion hopes met an unfortunate halt at the weekend, but another about Atkinton's owner. On today's show, we'll look back at our defeat at Aki, bring you the latest injury news, and get expert insight ahead of our matches against Morecambe and Harrogate. I'm Rich Faye, and I'm joined once again by
2: Nathan Salt. We were both there on Saturday.
1: How are you feeling about it now? We're recording in midweek.
2: As I as I tweeted at the time and as the album cover that we ended up having mocked up for ourselves apparently attested, one of those days, wasn't it, mate? Um, at least it was nearby for you. By the time I was in the car heading back to Leeds, you were you were home and drying off. It was wet, it was miserable. It was uh I mean I mean basically it was rubbish, wasn't it? Every player I thought played poorly. We got soaked. The fans, some of which let themselves down, throwing stuff on the pitch. Now there's this police investigation that will no doubt hurt the club down the line. Um, the did lose failed, didn't they? and there was uh, people going in the sinks for all for, for all we were told. And it was it was just crap all day, all all, all day, wasn't it? Um, but yeah, apart from that, wrecks them away. Yeah, it was. Yeah,
1: like you said, I think it's one of those where. You just write it off as one of those days. No team is going to be perfect every single week, particularly in League Two. Now we can, we've can, we got room for defeats like that. Last season, that would have been disastrous. It would have been hashtag parky out. There's the season gone. Who cares anymore? We've we've done a Rexham, but we're still in such a comfortable position. Every team is going to have results like that this season. I think every team basically has had results like that already this season as well in, in the league. It's fine. It's absolutely fine. It was just a crap day. Yeah, it's it's awful, and you know, do you know what I love do you, the one highlight for me, it's that Wrexham are absolutely hated, and we've got under Andy Holt's skin. We've paid for his Christmas holiday and his bonus anyway, but I just love being hated again. We've said it before, pressure is a privilege. Wrexham being hated and boiling piss up and down the league injected yeah. me absolutely injected. It, was,
2: it, it, I mean that's that's fun, and you've always said that you absolutely love. You know, people coming for us and, you know, Accrington fans celebrating by falling down the stairs of a penalty, which is, uh, you know, new in my book, but there you go. Four slims. Four slims, yeah. Um, you know, Just wanting to bruise yourself when you very much know what's going to happen. Um, it was just one of them days, though, you, like when you know that when a Conquest is dropping drop a ricket for the second goal, we didn't match them physically, you know. Uh, even amid the rain, gorgeous George was still trying his best. He won us that penalty, but we didn't deserve anything rich. And so you move on, you dust yourself down and now you've got Morecambe and Harrogate and suddenly you can turn things around very quickly. So look at what our responses have been after we lost. We lost to MK Dons and we rallied back. We lost at Stockport and rallied back, you know, what is it? 18 games now, three defeats and it could be a lot, lot worse.
1: Exactly. It's such a good position to be in. And again, if you'd taken, if you'd asked Wrexham fans at the start of the season, would you be happy with with where we are on the table now with the games played and and the teams we've faced as well? Every day, every single day. We're only fourth on goal difference behind Notts County. Two points by Mansfield, who we've drawn with and beaten. Stockport, the runaway leaders at the moment. But, you know, the, the title's not won this early in the season anyway. Fair play to them, they're doing brilliant. And yeah, we, we've, we've played most of the teams around us now. Obviously, more come on the horizon will be tough. We've got some big games sort of in the new year, but I'm still feeling so optimistic about it. And I almost think that it, the, the one silver line from Saturday for me is if, you, if you're going to have an off day, make just let all the players have it at once, get it out of their system. It can almost, in a way, be that reality check you need to reset again, realise that, yeah, we've had some big wins. Notts County was was an incredible away day. We still are a very different team away from home. But don't get too cocky, lads, because there's a lot of football left to be played. And, you know, in the long run, I think it could almost do as good to to be brought back down to earth in such a a miserable way, really. And, you know, like I said, if, if everyone's gone on a bad day, make it away at Accrington, where who, who really cares come the end of the season. I mean, like you said, 42 tweets Andy Holt's done about the game now. There'll probably be a 42-point difference between the sides, you know, come the end of the campaign. So, uh, yeah. It's, it's one of those, isn't it? It's one of those.
2: Rich, I, I, I just wanted to read you some quotes from Elliot Lee at the end. These were given to, I, I'm, I'm assuming a few, but I read it in The Athletic, uh, Richard Sutcliffe, who's brilliant at covering Wrexham and Sutty. We'll have to try and get back on. He was on a, a while ago, I think when you were in Japan, maybe. Um, but this is what Elliot Lee had to say. He put, there were too many of us under par today. That happens sometimes. We take responsibility for that ourselves. My set pieces were crap for a start. Mulls also misses a penalty. It can't always be a day, but we will learn from this. Training will be buzzing this week. It always is after a defeat. Every time we have lost a game, there has always been a response. After the 5-0 in at Stockport, we went 11 unbeaten. Don't doubt the character in that dressing room. When we lose, we want to put it right straight away. Roll on, Morecambe. I mean, fair play. You want that. You want that responsibility. You want that reflection of... And, and in fairness, <laughs> he's acknowledged the set pieces were crap. I mean, that... Just on that very briefly, there's got to be someone else that can whip a corner in better than Elliot Lee, surely to God.
1: I remember when Louis Valhalla was in charge of Man United, they resorted to having Phil Jones take the corners. I'm just wondering how how desperate it gets for you not, for Wrexham to put put a centre-back on corner kicks, really. Because, like you said, you would expect, out of everyone that squad, really, Elliot Lee to have the best set-piece delivery. But it wasn't just Akron to me. I absolutely love you, Elliot, but his set-pieces just infuriate me. They absolutely infuriate me. And yeah, I wonder, I mean, again, like you said, maybe that's the advantage of having Luke Young available in the squad, because you've always got that option. But just what, do they practice them in training? These free, these corners into the box? Because considering we, you know, we, we've got so many good players in the air, we just don't seem to be making the most of it anymore. And I think this is a particular point this season anyway, because I know there's been a lot of discourse about or what he actually brings to the team anymore because the long throw is pretty ineffective at the moment isn't it and corners aren't delivering too much in terms of threat either so we always talk about how last two seasons we've had so much fret from set pieces we've still got the players capable of having the fret but we just don't seem to be able to utilize it like we used to
2: yeah it's it I mean I'd love to know what Anthony I think Anthony Ford's a brilliant cross with the ball and so I'd love to know what his kind of corner corners alike um obviously we don't see them on him but i don't see him on them um i i I don't know i just think it's the one thing you probably can practice during the week many match scenarios you can't really replicate um well i remember anecdotally i think
1: james ward prowse of west ham fame he only takes something like two free kicks a training session because he says that's the only way to replicate an actual match situation where you only get two chances in a game. He says he doesn't practice free kicks a hundred times in a session. Like, you know, sometimes I think Beckham and Ronaldo sort of did that sort of stuff where they just try and master it. But he says that, you know, look, you only get two in a game. So I can only have two in practice and they've got to be spot on. So maybe, maybe it's one of those where you can practice all you want, but you can't replicate the the match situation. Because again, you see on Saturday, Paul Mullen in training, every penalty will go in, but just... I think we all knew that penalty wasn't going to go in, didn't we? I know it's easy to say in hindsight, but it was just it summed up our misery when Paul Mullin clattered the crossbar and the rain dripped down.
2: Rich, I'd I'd love to know. I mean, Paul Mullin scored it was eighty five goals for Wrexham, and I'm working on something at the minute to spread that out in terms of you know which minutes he scored in. Just because I'm a nerd and like that kind of stuff, I'd love to know of the penalties he's missed. Was he missed five now, four or five five penalties? Yeah. Have they all been ones down the middle? Or I'd love to know because he missed it. Sheffield United maiden did? head went wide of the right post. That was the keeper when well, that goalkeeper it? stood on the
1: side. Sheffield United was saved by Adam Davis. Notts County. He missed. Or was that was saved? Notts I think. County saved crossbar against Accrington, and the other one was who knows. I can't. who knows, I who knows? but just yeah.
2: just curious because you know obviously when you watch premier league and they they love having those graphics don't they of where the penalty because penalty is such psychological warfare it fine it was the night it would have been nothing more than a consolation on the day that we probably didn't deserve and if anything we got exactly what we deserved out of it and which was nothing and we move on and we go and respond against Morecambe and Harrogate and then it can look very very different um just curious that's all very curious and reading mullins book you know so much about his psychology and that's out today by the way if you're listening to this the book is now out you can order it um we're doing a giveaway as well it's probably a good time to say rich we're doing a giveaway of mullins book we've been fortunate to have been given an extra copy so if you want to win it go over to our twitter page our page on x whatever you call it twitter we'll call it go over there there's a big post that we'll have on there um with all the details explaining how you can enter to win and yeah i've read about 135 pages rich it's very good very interesting in terms of psychology and i'm obviously not going to give any spoilers away in here in little stories but yeah stuff on rexham's finds and and how in that first season in particular he just didn't feel like we had the balance of the squad right we were a little bit short a little bit too small and we didn't quite have the the right um personnel really to to t- to make it a successful one so yeah, there's loads more. I'm, I'm diluting it to a couple of bits, but definitely go and get it if you can for Christmas. Uh, and uh, also the audiobook, which we played a snippet of in last week's episode, that is also out now.
1: Yeah, so like they said there, Rob Ryan Red on all socials. And again, robryanredd at gmail.com or use robryanredd.com and get your questions in for us as well. Like I said, we, we will try and read some emails on this show. We will do in the weeks ahead as well. So thank you for, as always, getting in touch with us. Nafe, the injury front. Then I mean, like I said, I kind of want to gloss over Atkinson because it's just one of those days, and I I don't think you can go too deep in it because the real test is, how, is is it how we respond to it really, isn't it? And to see what what goes ahead. Like you said, Elliot Lee already issued a rallying cry, I think we'd call it in the journalism world, uh, ahead of this weekend's trip to a uh, match sorry, against managerless Morecambe. But the injury situation at the moment, Jordan Tunnicliffe has suffered a fresh setback. Tom O'Connor of course withdrawn at half-time of the Atkinson game with a, a, a fresh knock that he sustained as well. Owen O'Connell Back on grass, but still a way off returning. Stephen Fletcher is making good progress after his knee surgery. Ryan Barnett is out of his knee brace, but it'll be a while before he is back. It, it makes you realize, you know, that we are doing very well considering the injury situation again. Once again, the bingo card, squad depth is very impressive what we've got. Are you concerned? about some of these players susceptibility to injury. I'm thinking mainly of sort of Tunner, Cliff, and Hayden. We've said in the past that it's such a ruthless business and if we want to go up the leagues we need players who you know are going to be able to be relied upon more often than not. You need that momentum, you need that consistency. Am I maybe just being a bit too depressive after we lost to Accrington? or do you have concerns about some of the reoccurring injuries? Because obviously some of them are just freak accidents and one offs. But you look at Tunneclyffe, you look at Hayden; they've been injured a lot, haven't they?
2: Yeah, you've, you've got to you've got to have a degree of concern. And I think we're going into the next off season, the next summer, whereby overhaul in the centre back position I think will be the priority focus. Because I think at the minute, as it stands, you've got Ben Tozer out of contract. You've got injury concerns over Hayden, who will be out of contract as things stand. You've got Tunnicliffe. You've got Max, who is young and up and coming. I rate a lot. But, you know, is he ready to go straight in if, if we're in League One or League Two? I'd have no issue um, if he had to come in at the weekend, for example. Tom O'Connor, does Parkey see him as a long-term option at left centre-back? Is, 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 you know Is that an option? Boyle? I mean, he seems to have, you know, started strong and then gone off the boil, um, to pardon the pun. Um, Owen O'Connell as well. I, I think centre-back is a is an area of focus. I mean, I was told a while ago that in January they were looking at two defenders, whether they were centre-backs or, or wing-backs, weren't specified. But, you know, clearly there is an appetite to bolster in that area and bolster with players that, you know, what do they say in uh, some of the basketball games I watch, they always say that the best availability... The best sort of um, the best ability is availability. Even there, you're gonna get my words out. The best ability is availability, and that's true in the sense of you, know, you need to be available a lot of the time. And I feel for Tony Cliff right now because it does seem to be just as he gets himself back injured again, just as he gets himself back again injured again, and that must be so demotivating and so demoralizing.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. He said that. I think that is a real valid concern when you're looking up the leagues and how far some of these players can go with you on a journey, because it is ruthless, isn't it? We can't have sentiment. I know there's a lot of players we're going to have an attachment to because what they've done in a Wrexham shirt and the fact that they got us promoted and they they were excellent. And once again, we always point towards Tunnicliffe's incredible winning ratio with Wrexham, Aaron Hayden's incredible goal-scoring ability. But fundamentally, you know, our success is often... We, we do adapt really well to adversity. Because we've got so many talented players, but you do just need to have that core nucleus of a settled back free in particular if possible. You've got a conquo who's been brilliant in goal and you know he struggled a bit at the weekend, but everyone did so who who cares but in terms of that back free, it does chop and change so much that you do wonder. What we we say it every week? What is it going to be like going forward? Because you can make a compelling case for so many different arrangements of it, and I think one thing that's I've seen a lot on social media this week, particularly since that injury update. What does Max have to do to get another chance in this Rexman team? Because he was so good, and I know that he's going to be a bit undercooked now. He needs to be playing regular football. I still am absolutely staggered that he didn't go out on loan. I know you all say I told you so about Bickerstaff as well on that one, but what is the actual sort of plan? I still think that we're a bit unsure ourselves of of what the defence is going to look like because Wrexham have this long-term strategy where we want players who can take us up the leagues. But defence, there is so much uncertainty in the short term because like you said, so many players out of contract, it's changing almost every week. You look at someone like Will Boyle who arrived with a very good pedigree, doesn't look like he was a championship player to me in all honesty. And would he even get into our best back three at the moment? I'm not sure, sure that he would. So, yeah, I just I don't know how to sort of dissect this one. I think fans will be really divided on it. And then you've got, obviously, the full-back situation where you've got different players for different needs, depending on the game. Obviously, there's mitigation there as well, wasn't there, Aki, because McLean and Mendy both unavailable. Jordan Davis simply isn't a left-wing back. He might have played there early in his career. That doesn't mean that he is one anymore. Macallendon maybe would have been a better choice but it's been and gone now you know it's it's happened i just think yeah, defensively we just need that stability and i just don't know where it's coming from at the moment
2: no I, I, like i say i i think that is a a key focus and look to to throw it more widely open rich and there's a debate later in the podcast about a certain striker but defensively with with the 22 we've got what are you doing in January? Are you are you mixing things up a bit because if you want to sign, obviously people have got to go out the door. Is it you know? Does Max leave on loan for six months in January? Does Bickerstaff leave on loan? Does you know? There's 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 decisions to make. Do you bring Bryce back in? Obviously Bryce played a bit of centre back um, in the preseason tour, but he's had issues with injury and is hardly coming in as you know the most injury free guy. January I think is a real puzzle. If you, if you want to make mm. sign-ins.
1: Yeah, I like said, I think Bickerstaff and Klowhoff would be getting loaned out from, from me. Bryce honour, I love, but I just think ultimately he's not good enough to be playing every week. For uh, I, I get the value of putting someone like him in the squad because he's versatile, but when fully fit, he doesn't even get on the bench, does he? So I, do, I think, like you said, you talk about availability being the best ability. One, Bryce hasn't kind of got that, and I also think that look, if we want to, if we want to, look, there's there's a very good chance that Wrexham can get promoted this season. So effectively, it means anyone you recruit in January has to be able to play in League One as well, at the very least, and do a good job there. So I think you've just got to aim high because we've got the resources, we've got the ambition to match that. So I think it is just going to be ruthless calls, really. And then you look at the rest of the squad; you're going to have to get rid if you want to buy someone else in. You look at Fletcher's return from injury, you know, you, you weigh that up and see, is he worth waiting for, or do you just release him and get another striker in? And then you look at maybe the midfield or somewhere. Is there a body you can lose there? Do you try and... I know this will be sacrilege for lots of Wrexham fans, but do you look at someone like Luke Young and say, well, he's not getting in the squad enough to justify one of those 22 places, really, for me? I know he's been brilliant at times of season. He's been excellent. But I think that there is a
2: case, you know, you're, and I know you're, I'll get pelts You're, you're this. making me upset now. You're making me and a lot of people listening very upset now. I, I, you, you know, my thoughts. I would have Luke Young in every matchday 16 without. There wouldn't even be a question. Yeah, um, I, and
1: and but Dave, what I'm saying is, I'm not saying I wouldn't do that. But I got it's you. Just if he's not even getting, in, if he's not getting in the squad, then. But thing, But thing is, what is what is the point of having him registered? But, but, quite quite bluntly, right. he's good as a reserve backup option, but he deserves better than that. But, and Wrexham probably themselves want something better than that. The,
2: but then surely there are people further down the pecking order than him. In your your Macallindens, your um, like I say, I think if you end up bringing a striker in, which is one in particular, we'll talk about later, um, that's a striker that's got to go out. Dolby Fletcher is an interesting one as well. I, I just think with six months or so left on the contract, that would be a real slap in the face to take your club captain out of the squad and just leave yeah. him stuck. If you weren't selling him or you weren't moving him on, which would be a selling or a loan, I think that would be, I think that would be honestly a, a, such a dire, dire decision. Um, and and we'll you know we'll get two sides of it where people will agree that maybe he shouldn't be there or what well, so we'll see. It's interesting debate, but for me, that would be a diabolical decision. I think. Yeah,
1: like I said, I'd only deregister Luke Young if he could then go get a low move somewhere else or get a transfer somewhere else. I wouldn't just bin him off into right. the reserves for no reason. And you mentioned there a good point, that if McElhinden isn't even getting a game when we've got no left-backs, then what is the... I, I know he's a real good egg. I know we had that Jake Hyde interview where he said, you know, McElhinden is someone who just Parky loves because he's got the right right mentality, the right attitude. He's a real team player and he understands his bit part role, really. I, I understand all that. I, I know that the makeup of a squad you need players like that. You look at the last Euros for Wales where you you take like Gunter with you who's never going to play a game, but you have him there for squad morale because he's so important to to squad harmony. Really, it's a bit different with club football because it's not in a enclosed tournament setup like that. And if McIlinden isn't getting in getting game time when there's no left backs available, quite bluntly, what is the point of having him registered as an option from the squad? I know that's ruthless as well, but I think that's a sentiment you have to have if you want to go to the leagues. I think you've got to, you can't be nice. You just can't be, you know, you've got to be horrible and make some of these tough calls. And it's a dog eat dog, eat, dog eat dog world. And God, that was tough to say. And, you know, I just think that there's going to be a lot of unpopular decisions made, but for the greater good of the team, probably. <laughs>
2: Right, Rich, Saturday, uh, getting back on the horse. Wrexham hopefully starting another unbeaten run, as we have done after defeats to MK Dons and to Stockport. is Morecambe, and you know, you and I, other than Tyson Fury, we don't know that much about Morecambe, um, apart from whether they play the Globe Arena. So I thought I would enlist the help of James from Morecambe FC Feed, which is a great Twitter account that is totally comprehensive, a bit like Rob Brown, totally comprehensive on all things... Morecambe, Um, so well worth a follow if you want to follow the ups and downs of what's going on with Morecambe because there are lots of downs right now and not as many ups, so here's what James had to tell me about Derek Adams' departure Sam Dolby and a few others that had played for Morecambe over his time, over his time watching and what we can expect at the weekend so Tyson Fury, apparently not available. As he said, he'd. you're uh, calling out Ryan Reynolds, but not calling out me or Rich. So I've enlisted the help. As we always do every week, you all seem to like these opposition previews. I've got the help of James, as I will have already said, from Morecambe Feed. James, thanks for coming on. For us, it's been a fairly despondent week. We lost to Accrington and kind of licking our wounds a bit and and the row with Andy Holt. For you guys, Derek Adams gone, manager gone. What What's happened there? Fill us in.
0: Yeah, it's been a pretty tumultuous week, I think. We came off the back of three great away wins um, a few weeks ago. JJ McKinnon, our star midfielder, I'd say, got hat-trick away. Um, One at Lincoln, very good League One side in the Cup. And then, yeah, we've come off the back of two away defeats in a row, away at Grimsby and away at Blackpool. Tough games, new manager for Grimsby or um, at least a caretaker. All the players want to impress. Blackpool are a great side as well. But yeah, the real shocking news came out of absolutely nowhere as Derek Adams has just decided to leave. So that was um, crazy. As we're recording this on Tuesday, it was Monday when it was officially announced. Sunday night, we knew it was probably going to happen. But before that, there was no inclination whatsoever. Um, So yeah, it's been a a really good season so far. That's been pretty crazy in the last few, few days. I mean... Apparently, it was around Thursday time, the end of last week. So, a couple of days after our loss at Blackpool in the the Bristol Street Motors Trophy, I think is, is it called, um, now with the new sponsorship. But, yeah, we, we've had a good season. But, um, ironically, I think a lot of us are wanting a manager called Phil Parkinson. Not the Rexham one, um, the Altrincham one. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see who we get. And so far, it looks like 99% of the chance... Um, You know, there's not going to be a new manager in before Wrexham, so it'll be a caretaker, hopefully a a bit of a bounce.
2: I was going to say, do they have caretaker-manager bounces?
0: I'm a bit of a sceptic,
2: personally, (laughs) of these new manager bounces. I'm not sure about caretaker-manager bounces.
0: They did at Grimsby, that's for sure. Um, Ironically, Derek called it their cup final because all the players had been really, really up for it. I think they made some, about six changes. All their players coming back into the fold, who under Paul Hurst hadn't, who had obviously been there for, for a good number of years, hadn't quite found the feet, maybe, and and were out the team, but they all came back and were amazing against us. So hopefully, we can bring that in. I mean, the two people who are the caretakers are the assistant manager and the the first team coach we appointed um, from Accrington a couple of months ago, Jed and John oh McMahon, the assistant manager. So, yeah, those are the two who'll be trying to get a result at Wrexham.
2: Well, any Accrington link is giving me shivers anyway after, after <laughs> that game, that, that, that trip. I saw John Coleman was in the running. I thought, please, God, no, if he's not there, back-to-back John Coleman games. Um, Derek Adams then, I, I I had a quick look at your feed and, and kind of was just trying to get a reading on Derek Adams and the feeling around him going back to Scotland with, with Ross County and, you know, is he everything to, to the success you've had this season so far? Or, or or do you think there's an element of being able to sustain it with the players you've got? Or is, is this going to completely pull the plug out of the bath, basically?
0: A um, mixture, I'd say. It's impossible to say because Derek signed every single player in this entire club. You know, we had such a, a turnover of players. We've had that all the time. Um, ironically, your star man, Paul Mullen, was here actually three years, which seems quite a, a long time for a, a Morecambe forward certainly in the modern era at least but yeah he signed every player we had about 18 new signings this season they've done brilliantly they're a really young squad very talented but Derek as a manager instills compactness at the back and freedom in attack Um, a nice rhyme there and I mean I think John McMahon and Jed Brannan can continue it forward for the next few weeks but when you've lost a mastermind I think he's our best ever manager in our history you just cannot go against his reputation, what he's done for us, what he's done elsewhere. And yeah, I mean, it's a mixture. I'd love to see. I think all the fans are getting behind the players and just thinking, you know, these players are wonderful. They've got the points on the board. Derek's not been on the pitch. Those players have got the points. So whoever we get in, whether it's John McMahon and Jed Brannan for the rest of the season, maybe if 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 they want it and they get offered it and, and they get the results in the next few games. um, oh, I, I just... It's, it was absolutely heart-wrenching for everyone because the only bit of stability we've had at the club over the last couple of years, we've got relegated, we've got horrendous owners who just don't turn up. The board is fantastic, the owners are terrible. That's something a key distinguishing factor there. The board are amazing. die-hard Morgan fans, brilliant. The owners who actually put the money in, don't put the money in. So the main constant we've had at the club is Derek Adams over the last four years roughly. Um, so yeah, it's heart-wrenching to see him go, but um, we're all getting behind the players and I think we're a club that re- won't turn on the players as quickly as other clubs so that's the hope. Well there's players that
2: have played for both that we'll get onto, and and a takeover situation I wanted to ask about but finally maybe on the manager I'm looking at some of the names here on the you said Jed Brannan, Dave Artell, former former XM defender is, is in the mix, Gary Bowie is there, Joey Barton that would be a a spicy pick for sure. Gareth Ainsworth, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, Danny Cowley. I mean, he was in with the shout at Bradford, and then seems to have that that didn't work out. What are you looking for? Are you looking for a, an Adams mark too, if one exists, or, do, or are you looking for maybe a, a slightly different avenue to give you slightly different football?
0: Yeah, I think it's probably a cliche, but I don't think there's another Derek Adams. Um, I think the style of football is very niche to him. Um, we were the most attacking almost direct attacking speed in Europe um, a few weeks ago there was a start so basically you know we sit back we take our time but as soon as we're on the counter we go for it really direct which is amazing it's not it's not hoof ball it's not long ball it's just quick passing intricate passing it's not a Knotts county sort of thing like we've all seen our Knotts County play they're very effective at it but it's slow we're very much let the opposition have the ball and then go forward so I mean, another piece of context for the new manager as well. We've only got one player contracted beyond next summer. We've got five loanees who are all doing fantastically well. You know, Some of them may get recalled in January That's or may even go to Scotland with Derek. That's also a massive worry of ours now. The only player contracted beyond the summer is the newly crowned Athletics young rising star, Adam Mayer, who won it ahead of um, the likes of Curtis Jones, Rico Lewis, Garnaccio, plays like that in the North West. So, the new manager can be anyone really because they've got a completely clean slate in the summer, which is why some people have been saying keep Jed Brannon and John McMahon on till the end of the season um, as caretakers and then get John Coleman when his contract expires because he's, we've I think we've all seen the fallout um, with Andy Holt, the, the Accrington owner. It, you know, um, who knows whether they're going to be able to get back together and get something sorted. Yeah, Dave Artel's a name I think people have been saying. He thrives off a good academy, as we saw at crew, but the academy's good, but it's not crew level. I think that's fair. We've done amazingly well this season, but it's really tough. I don't think Gareth Ainsworth is going to come anywhere near us. I think he's probably happy getting the payoff, the weekly payoff he's getting from QPR. I think um, the Cowleys, I think he just said today, Danny Cowley, he was happy with League Two, he was happy with Bradford, but it just didn't. Materializing the way, which maybe says something about Bradford. I just can't see him stepping down to the level. Gary Bowyer, Jerry Barton. I don't think it might be in a luxury position to say we don't want them, but I feel like we'd hope for something a bit more with our young squad. You know, maybe a... I think progressive's the wrong word, but I don't think we'd take well to Jerry Barton's style, to be honest, or Gary Bowyer's. So, to answer the question, I don't think there is a new Derek Adams, but whoever comes in, hopefully can take us forward, but has a massive clean slate in 2024?
2: In well, well, for us, I mean, there's going to be nobody in. We don't think, I mean, we're recording this on the Tuesday. It'd be miraculous to have somebody in place and on the touchline going up against Phil Parkinson. We've had a couple of Phil Parkinson derbies. I'd be amazed if we get that again this weekend. So it is likely to be caretakers. Um, the players that you've got then, because again, we've got a bit, a bit on wrecks and crossover and a takeover situation, but the players you've got, that's always the one that people want to know about, who to look out for. A couple of names I've, I've circled and, and you'll tell me whether these are good or bad players. Tom Bloxham seems to be quite good on, on, on that right side. young lad from Shrewsbury, boo. we don't like Shrewsbury, but um, it, him, Josh McKinnon, or JJ McKinnon, not Josh McKinnon, Josh, JJ McKinnon. And who's the other one? Jordan Slew. He's another attacker that you've got in there. What's the kind of... You've kind of talked of the style of play, but what's the kind of standouts, the players that really could make a difference and hurt Wrexham at the weekend?
0: Yeah, I mean, firstly, I'd say a bit of context. We play a 4 um, or maybe a four-one-four-one <laughs> style, depending on how you shape it up, or a 4 with one sitting. I mean, it, it's it's the same, really. We've only got 22 players in the squad, so there's not many to pick from. We've got our first-choice goalkeeper injured at the moment, um, who was amazing for us, Stuart Moore. But yeah, I mean you've highlighted some players there, they start for us. I think the lineup likely just very quickly winning through it. It's gonna be Adam Smith in goal, right back, probably Joel Senior, centre back partnership of definitely Jacob Badeau, maybe James Connolly, and left back probably David Tatonda, could be Love on the right, Senior on the left, we don't know. But that is a very good defence. We know that. They're all players who have played in League One. Bodeau came from League One with us last season. We've got Rawson as well, who may not play, but he's a massive six foot four centre back. Um, wins all the duels and complements the other shorter defenders very well but that is a very very good defence we're very happy with the defence all told and um, despite conceding free to to Grimsby the the other week in midfield I think is where it starts to get really exciting you mentioned JJ McKinnon and I, I love JJ McKinnon he came in from the National League having been on loan from Watford released by Watford in the summer we were the only club who really gave probably the best proposition for him to actually start. That's, again, another Derek Adams masterclass of chasing someone and getting someone in and saying, look, you are going to be my person. You're going to be my guy for the box-to-box midfielder role. You're going to be making the late runs. And he's been one of the players of the season. Got the hat-trick early on in the season as well. Um, Eli King as well. He went back to Cardiff for some medical tests, but he's back now. Just an incredible central midfielder. Mentioned the the front the front players. I'd say Michael Mellon is the main one to look out for. He's I think he's always already into double figures this season in all competitions. On loan from Burnley, nineteen. He came to us last season when we we're in League One. Um, played eight or nine games. Didn't exactly pull up trees and then got injured. So it's just really unfortunate for him. Um, that was during the time when Cole Stockton was claiming he was injured and wasn't playing. But less said about that, the better I think. But um, yeah, Jordan Slew, he's, he's effective. We've signed him from non-league twice. He's a Derek Adams man. We know that. No other manager would have signed him. Um, Derek trusts him. And we'll have to see. Hopefully, I think that'll carry over. He's he's fine, he's Jordan. He's nothing. He's not the best player in the team, but he, he's a consistent 6 or 7 out of 10 at the moment. Blocks him. 6 foot 5 on the wing. When we signed him, you're thinking he's a target man, but when you hear from Shrewsbury fans, they were saying he's going to be on the wing. He's going to be driving at players and as the season's gone on, he's looked amazing. And their manager's already said with their injuries that they can't recall him now, but they will recall. can't recall him in January, which tends to suggest, if you're saying that in the media, that's a bit worrying for us. And then um, Adam Mayer as well. Um, as I mentioned, the award he won. Um fantastic footballer come through the academy which is so amazing for a club like us who hasn't necessarily had the most academy graduates and we had Aaron McGowan a few years ago the fullback um, who's been around the EFL in Scotland Um, but apart from we had Leif Davis who's at Ipswich but he came through like as a 16 year old in the academy so we didn't really see him in the first team but yeah that's a very brief rundown of the team I'd say as well Michael Mellon's a he's great at everything if we hoof the ball to him he can flick it on he can win the ball in the air but he's a very instinctive finisher as well so yeah i mean the team is great for the the lack of money we've got and i think we've got a lot to work with but not in terms of numbers wise
2: right i mean i'm excited i think it'll be a, a decent game i think more you know have proven that you can dig in and sit in and rexham will expect to have a lot of the ball but you know you can counter and counter quickly. Um, before we find, probably end on on the players that that have played for both, it was such a bizarre story because we get so much attention for our owners for obvious reasons. You know, they are the the headline on almost every Wrexham story has to involve Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney, and it's their Wrexham. Um, the beginning of this year, and you know, I'm a sports writer, as people know, and and I this was a story that crossed the radar. Saab J- Jahal or, or the the twenty year old that was supposedly going for Morecambe, um never sort of seemed to prove he had the funds to do so. Tyson Fury's always had a bit of a chatter about would he go in for for Morecambe. What was the ownership situation? You you touched on that the current owners are are terrible, but it seemed like fans were given a little bit of a there's this kind of young lad who wants to buy it and then it kinda of petered out quite quick.
0: Yeah, it's hard to condense, obviously, into a very short period of time. So I'd advise everyone to just get on Google, get on any Morecambe feed, my account, and that's fine. <laughs> and you'll very, very quickly discover that it's very conf- confusing. I think first of note was Tyson Fury going on Talksport, as you mentioned. He went on and said, I'm thinking of buying Morecambe. And it turns out that the story behind that was he's he's got a. He bought basically the previous owner. Um, financial issues, so he sold off different areas of the club, um, split things up into different businesses, and one of the areas, which was the control centre, and then the 3G pitches at the back, the Astro turf at the back, that went into, into an administration, eventually Tyson Fury bought that, he lands his helicopter on the AstroTurf, that was meant to be used for the community, but is what it is. Um, he's got his gym in the control centre, so he sees the players, and he lets the players use the gym and all of that, but... Um, the, the commercial manager, Martin Thomas, has done a fantastic job getting him involved with the sponsorships, but it seems like what happened is he kept saying, do you want to buy the club? Do you want to buy the club? And he's gone on TalkSport and said, I'm considering buying it, basically as a way of sort of giving the club credit to his benefit of get, giving the club some exposure to try. Right. That's what the club have said as well. It's not Tyson Fury just saying that because we know what he's like, as, as good or bad as you you want to view him. Um, so then off that, subject, Jahal um, very young lad, um, I just can't believe how it was ever going to go anywhere, turns up in, by all accounts, a rented car. The first game he was at he was in the director's box somehow. That was it, and, that was it,
2: yeah.
0: Yeah, and the, the Daily Mail did an article of that with photos of him, and you're thinking straight away, why is there a Daily Mail photographer taking pictures of a guy, and the, a random guy who no one's ever heard of before, in the, with all due respect to him, um, in the director's box, and it rumbled on, rumbled on, and we were told, this was all a, a year and a bit ago now I mean it's it's hard to really know when it all started but we got told before January last season by by our brilliant directors by the way we think it's going to be done for January we think it's going to be fine you get to January nothing happens get to February nothing happens get to March the wages aren't paid you get to, through to the end of the season nothing's happened club's still up for sale the entire squad gets released because we like we didn't even bother offering contracts to say Cole Stockton and all that we just couldn't afford anything so we're left with six players Even our second-choice goalkeeper, Smith, who's going to be starting at Wrexham, he was coaching in the youth team and all that, great, around the community, and he had to be released as well. But thankfully, he hadn't moved out of the area, so when they scraped together some money, we got him back. I mean, it's just been a farce from from the get-go, really. I mean, Bond Group are the people who own it. That's two people, Jason and Colin. You'll know Jim Bentley from down the years as an EFL manager, longest serving manager when he was with us. They vote, well, one of them um, seems to have allegedly voted on a Facebook poll um, saying, you know, if there's a few more losses, um, he should be sacked. So he, and amongst other things, he probably saw that and thought, that's it. So very soon after he resigned and then Derek came in. Derek's been complaining for months in interviews, being like, come on, just support me, please get something done in the background. But yeah, it's so it's so tough. But the crux of the issue now is there's I mean, it was only a few months ago, Derek was saying there's interest from abroad and from far away he said there was interest from, so there was of course optimism because we're gullible. He's gone now, which doesn't bode well, I don't think. But basically the crux of the issue is Saab Judge isn't in the picture anymore. We know that. And we're just waiting now. We're back in this no. waiting game and just hoping for January.
2: God, well look, wishing you all the best. We've been there where you don't know um, when it's going to happen, and who knows? You know, maybe you'll get your lottery ticket like we did. We struck absolute gold. Um, let's try and be as quickly as we can because I've asked you loads and loads. Um, give me your brief verdicts on some of these players that are, that play for Wrexham now, or did play for Wrexham, and also played for Morecambe. Liam Mcalinden,
0: very good playoff winner with us. Scored two goals with um, let's say he's in a five. In the playoffs, got promoted in 2021. Pretty good squad player and, yeah, good feelings from him. Cole Stockton. Good in his spell in 2016 under Jim Bentley. Fantastic in the season we got promoted. Even good before that when he came back. Unbelievable in League One for the first season. Second season, you know, if you followed the story, everyone will know what's happened. Just, you know, he, he had illness and injury and all that. Apparently... Came back, still was top scorer by the end of the season, but couldn't do enough to keep us up. Overall, he is a club legend. We can't... I don't think we can say fairer than that, really. Jason Oswell? Yeah, signed him from the National League North. few could few years back and he was okay, I'd say. I, I think he, he scored one or two. I, I rated him back in the day. We signed him for an undisclosed fee, sold him for an undisclosed fee, apparently making a profit literally four months later in January. <laughs> But yeah, okay striker. We're going back a little bit further, but this was quite a
2: tragic one because his career ended at Morecambe. But Andy Fleming.
0: Andy Fleming, yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, I'm testing the memory now on Andy Fleming, but great for us. And he went to Morecambe and then injury ravaged him, basically. Um,
0: Yeah, I mean, he he retired. If it's the the same Andy Fleming of um, retiring 2018, 2019. That's the one. That is the one. Um, yeah, very unfortunate. I mean, since then, he's been all over Twitter with conspiracy theories. But I think <laughs> oh, no. He's established his reputation. Oh, he no. He scored the first two goals at the new stadium in 2010. So, we've got good memories of Andy. Very good as well. He seemed to be getting really, really good under Jim Bentley. And, yeah, it, it was. I mean, he had a long career with Morecambe. He did very well for himself and we did well off him. But, yeah, shame how it ended.
2: Lastly, uh, super Paul Mullin. Now, what I will say <laughs> is he is very complimentary of Morecambe in his book that is out this week. The day this is out, the book is now out, so people obviously will know that they can buy it. Um, and if any Morecambe fans are interested, there is a snippet in there about how he got started at Morecambe and he joined, I think you said, on 200 quid a week when he was a teenager and went on to, like you said earlier, stay for three seasons. He cannot speak highly enough of Jim Bentley, and I think, I'm going to get this wrong, is it Ken McKenna? He couldn't speak yep. highly enough of Ken McKenna and Jim Bentley. What are your memories of a young and fresh-faced Paul Mullin?
0: Yeah, you're testing my memory now. Um, he played not just up front. We got him when, again, it's another story. If if anyone has really followed Morecambe, which, you know, I don't expect people to have followed Morecambe too detail, but we seem to be a club because we've always had the lowest budget in the league, because we've always been fighting against the bottom of the league, no matter who our manager's been or what league we're in since we got to the EFL, that is. We've always been picking up players who are maybe cast away and need rejuvenating and need their careers getting back on track. And Paul Mullin is the, the perfect example. Um, ultimately, at the end, by the time he left, um, he was doing well for us. He'd played a lot of games. I think he'd played some like 120, 130 games. Got a decent number of goals, but not... like He, he was an excellent player, don't get me wrong, but he wasn't a Stockton 25-goal-a-season player. But he's always come across very well and very grounded, as you've we've seen with a lot of things he's done. Um, there's another few players like Sam Dalby and David Shepaniak and, and players like that who I think we've... It is weird, actually. I think we've had Paul Mullen, Sam Dalby and, Shepa, um, and um, not Shepaniak and McElindon all at once at Wrexham. So we had a, an ex-Morcombe front three at Wrexham, I think, at one point. But yeah, Paul Mullen, just excellent player, excellent guy. And I think he deserves everything he's got, really. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG.
1: Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with Muck Delivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
2: So there you go, Rich. I didn't realise that Morecambe were able to go back to front the fastest of any team in Europe. So, I mean, if they're, if they're willing to sit in and soak up pressure, they can attack quickly and trust it to be a six-foot-five winger from Shrewsbury that they're pinning their hopes on?
1: Yeah, it's going to be. It could be one of those rec- race racecourse days where it just turns into a basketball match. It's already given me, was it 7-5 against Barnett last oh, season right. we had? Just one of those chaotic matches we've seen. 5-3, we've seen a 5-all. Yeah, I, I do think we... I, mean, I know we've had quite a good clean sheet record in recent weeks, but part of me does think it'll be both teams to score, but Wrexham to edge it. I just think that, you know, we, as much as you say, there's a, obviously not a new manager bounce, but they'll have a, a point to prove and they'll be licking their wounds. Anyway, the Rexham players will be coming out fighting themselves. I think it in a way for this Saturday might suit us that we both, that we've had our own setback heading into it, because if we were maybe a bit complacent going into this weekend, I think that Morecambe could do a job on us, but I think that we should just, just have enough and enough hunger and, yeah, it's a really interesting and compelling match, really. I, I, I'm i intrigued to see because, again, I think, as we said a lot this season, there's a lot of teams who I just don't know enough about and don't know how they play, and I've been surprised by quite a few. I think Morecambe are one of those where you just you, you don't know what to expect, really.
2: Well, one of the things that's probably the most intriguing is you've got two left wing-backs returning from international duty. Congratulations to Jacob Mendy, made his international debut with Gambia up against Ivory Coast, and obviously James... McLean, if anything, quite dovetail quite nicely, Rich. You've got one player starting their international career and one bringing the curtain down on theirs. James McLean ending his career with the Republic of Ireland in midweek in their match, was it against New Zealand in, uh, in Dublin? Yes, the one-all draw. One-all draw with, with New Zealand. So what do you do then, defensively, Rich for Morgan? Because most of the team will pick itself. It'll be Mullen. Will it be Dolby up top? I don't know, he didn't play too great against Accrington as, as no one did. It'll be Evans, Jones and Lee in midfield. And Lee, I think it's his, Lee's final game, trying to avoid a yellow to get a ban. So if he gets through this one, the threshold will double to 10. And he has until whatever, game 38 or whatever it is to hit 10 yellows. But defensively, we don't have a left centre-back. Left wing-back is now up for grabs. It won't be Jordan again, that's for sure.
1: No, I, I'd go McLean. In at left wing back. I just think these sort of matches are the ones where he he should be starting at home. His quality often tells. And yeah, I'd make a change in attack, if possible, I'd put Palmer in over Dolby. I just don't think Dolby, you know, he, he we, we I think we sometimes get carried away after he's played well. I still think he's just better suited as an impact sub. I know he was ace at, at Notts County, but it was still Palmer who came off the bench, got the decisive goal, who, who made a real impact for for us, so yeah, I'd go, I'd go Palmer and McLean into the lineup. The defense, I think your hands are tied a bit just by who's available, really. Boyle, I, I wouldn't be. I think, I think Boyle probably starts, but on the basis that he, he is that left-footed centre back, and he gives you that option, and that's the only reason I'd start him. Mean, he doesn't necessarily start and go merit, let's say, but there are some positions where you need someone who just fits your style of play. And it's very telling that Parky clearly likes having a specialist left centre-back in his squad where, where possible. So I probably would give Boyle another chance to say, look, this is not your final chance, but you, if you are not if you don't play well today, then that's it. You're out of the team again and you've got to wait your time. O'Connor, I would have liked to start there, but obviously he's got this injury concern. And I just wouldn't risk him ahead of the fixture schedule on the horizon. So, yeah, Boyle probably starts. And of course, Nate as well, by the time we've played Morecambe, we will be exactly halfway through the league campaign. So we will then have a much better... Oh, no, we won't be, will I we? About say, 46
2: and I was about to say, hang about. It would be
1: Premier League, wouldn't it? I was
2: about to say, hang about. You've been, you've been writing about Man United and I've got my
1: flash scores up now, and you can tell that oh, I God. Um, I obviously think 19 games is... But I guess it's a telling point, isn't it? But <laughs> To give myself a pat on the back. We're getting close to the halfway stage in the season, and that is when the table can start to be looked at properly and you see form and you see patterns and i do think that Wrexham probably right now are about the 4 or fifth best team in in league 2 so far this season yeah but and
2: we uh, we we're, 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 you know, we're up there rich we we we're, we're in a position i'm i'm very happy with right now i still think we'll finish inside the top 3 i think the team, yeah. teams go on bad runs i think we're able to to grind out, like you say, we, we definitely need to improve on the road and we've got some tough games on the road to come. I still think that one or draw at Bradford will age quite poorly and that's probably one of the results that will irk me most as the season goes on. Accrington, I've got no complaints. We were really poor, didn't deserve anything. Bradford, I just think, will be really, really frustrating as it goes on. But look, we can lay down a marker against Harrogate as well. That's also a game coming up, Rich, that on Tuesday it would be a quick turnaround after Morecambe and if we get back on track against Morecambe, you know, that good work can soon be undone away at Harrogate if it goes wrong. So I just hope with the Harrogate game that there aren't too many off-pitch distractions dominating and, and it's actually just the football on the pitch that we go there, get a result because I think our last trip there was at the FA Cup and we ended up losing yeah.
1: 1-0. Did Ponticelli score off the top of my head? Can't I can't quite remember. remember. We lost. Yeah. We lost. I know that. We went it out. 1-0, was it? I thought it was 2-1. Yeah, I can't remember. Well, we I lost. I That was we lost anyway. season. Yeah. yeah.
2: But but Harrogate, Rich, I mean, my, this, is, this is probably as good a time as ever to just chuck ourselves into that preview before we end the podcast. But Rhys Howell, who is the sports writer and sport editor um, covering Harrogate, I think it's the Harrogate advertiser. And he is the man in the know with Simon Weaver and the Luke Armstrong situation. I guess let's hear from him first before we get into our thoughts about what's going on with Luke Armstrong. Right, so it's on the road again for Wrexham. Another away day, this time at Harrogate after the dismal and very rainy trip to Accrington where Andy Holt had the last laugh. I've enlisted the help of the perfect person to talk me through what's going on at Harrogate and a certain Luke Armstrong situation, Reese, sport editor of the Harrogate Advertiser. Now, I could go into a load of nice tees, uh, Rhys, Rich, Reece. Um I could go into a load of nice tees, but I'm just going to start off with the obvious what is the latest with Luke Armstrong?
3: Well, it's an interesting situation. Um, I, I suspect he's played his last game for Harrogate Town. Um, he's fit and available for selection, and he was on Saturday. Didn't make the squad um, against Swindon. Uh, the manager's come out and said that um, he expects him to leave in, in the January window, and so he wants to prioritise game time for the strikers in his squad, who are, I guess, committed Um and he expects to be around longer than January. So, uh, obviously, you can't account for injury suspensions, but I'm not sure that Harrogate Town fans will see Luke Armstrong in their uh, colours again.
2: So, he's not going to play now, Reese. as you just said there, for six weeks. He's pretty much not going to play for Harrogate again, barring any injury suspensions disaster, because, you know, Salmon Weaver rightly wants to focus on players that are going to be there. What What do you think... The future is now for Luke Armstrong. Do you think there's that gentleman's agreement with Wrexham and it'll all be you know, revitalised and emerge again and that pitch is reposted on January the 1st or or do you think there's other teams that are maybe in the mix maybe a team in the league above? I've seen a couple of League One teams linked with them as well. What's your personal view of the whole thing?
3: Yeah, I'd be lying to you if I said I, I had a, um, a firm understanding of what the, what the plan is. Um, he's been offered a new contract and hasn't signed it so I think... That kind of told its own story before Simon Weaver came out and said that he um, probably won't um, need to use him again between now, well, um, with him expecting him to leave in in January. Um, Gentleman's agreement with Wrexham, I'm not sure. I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. Um, Obviously, you'll know more about the options that Phil Parkinson has available to him in the um, forward areas. Obviously, Stephen Fletcher came in. I understand that he's now injured. Um, So perhaps that might have changed the situation slightly. Um, Like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if if there's um, something been arranged with Wrexham. Obviously, Harrogate Harrogate are going to want that that money that they were expecting. Um, But I, I wouldn't be surprised if there is interest from elsewhere. Has Luke Armstrong's stock fallen in the months in between? That move falling through, I would have thought so to an extent. Given that he's played 10, 10 games and not scored a goal in that time, um, but he is still a proven League Two goal scorer. And um, while it hasn't happened for him in the last couple of months, he's um, he's a player that I think very highly of. I mean, if you look at his two seasons at Harrogate you couldn't ask for any more for him to give have given any more as a as a centre forward. Good goal return as well, but you know, an all action kind of competitor who literally was putting his body on the line. Week after week, and you couldn't fault his commitment uh, up until that point.
2: Now we we all remember that moon picture and Wrexham bigging it up, and then next minute, next thing you know, there's an appeal. The EFL's rejected it. Its statements out just before Wrexham play Tranmere Rovers in that early kickoff game at Prenton Park. Now we saw it from our side of things, and it was quite embarrassing from Wrexham's side of thing. Things I know they apologised, and it was you know, a freak thing, really, that you don't see that often in football. What was the fallout on the Harrogate side, and because Harrogate had made signings, right? So, what was the fallout on the Harrogate side, maybe not just for Armstrong, but for the club more generally?
3: Well, I think Simon Weaver was pretty hopeful um, when there was the mooted um, appeal. I think he he hoped that that would get um, that might resolve the situation. They were his words. Um, obviously, that didn't um, didn't happen in the end. I think we were all surprised to see. Um, you know, that that the tweets that came out just before deadline and just after, and then there was nothing forthcoming from the Wrexham end and that at that point suspicions I think were aroused regarding was there a was there a problem. Um it's just a bit of a it was a bit of a mess, wasn't it? I think obviously Wrexham came out and apologised to the player and to Harrogate for not getting the, the paperwork su- submitted in time. So I guess they've shouldered a the responsibility I guess if you look at it from Harrogate's point of view, they held out for the price they wanted. They could have done a deal earlier in the window, I suppose. And um, if you want to be critical of them, I guess you could maybe level that them. They could have got their business done a bit earlier, but they wanted you know, they wanted the right price for Luke Armstrong. He's under contract um for quite a long time. Um and they they were very clear from the word go that they wouldn't accept um anything less than what they felt he was worth, so they they stuck by their guns, and I think credit to them for that. They didn't want to, um, didn't want to lose Luke Armstrong, and they were clear about that from the word go. But I guess in hindsight, perhaps if there'd been a little bit more flexibility, they might have got the deal done there and then.
2: Reese, some of the criticism that comes up from Wrexham fans is that maybe Armstrong was as good as he could be at this level, wouldn't be able to cut it in the league above. You've talked about, you know, your own personal feelings. You rate him quite highly. What do you make of of criticism of him, and do you think he's got that ability to step up and and make the grade, and say he does walk through the door at Wrexham in January, be someone who can excel in a in a team as good as Wrexham?
3: I don't know if he's worth the kind of the the uh, what was the fee we're talking about? It's been I've read four seven five five hundred grand. Is he worth that? I'm not not entirely sure. It's, it's a lot of money. Uh, is he a very good league two centre forward? Absolutely, and could he do a job in League One? Yeah, I'd say, I'd say so. I rate him really highly. Um, he's got he doesn't have the pace to run in behind, but other than that, he's got good instincts in and around the box. He's very very good in the air. Um, he's got a great attitude, great work rate. Um, you get if Wrexham sign him, you're getting a really good player. And yes, his form has dropped off a cliff since the the move fell through. Um, and I think it's quite easy for supporters to level at him or his heart's not in it anymore. He doesn't care. He's not interested. I don't think that's necessarily the case because having spoken to Luke a few times over the years, he's always come across like a really good character. He's quite quiet. Um, he's one of the kind of softly spoken, quietest guys that I've come across in professional football. Um, I always thought he's just a, a real a real good character. So I think if Rexham sign him, you're getting a good a good person Um, and a very good footballer who, I think, if you look at his stats, he had a bit of a barren run um, between the back end of his first season and um, coming into last season. But then he kind of really picked up and I think finished with 16 goals. Um, And and there's the odd penalty in there. But generally, these are all goals from open play. In a better team, because with no disrespect to Harrogate, you know, they've been a bottom-end uh, team since they were promoted to the football league. In a better team, I think you've got a 20-goal-plus striker in this division. and um, I think he could do a job in League One, certainly, it remains to be seen, of course, but I think in a team with perhaps better service and and creating more chances, I think he'd flourish. So I think if you do end up getting him, um, yes, the fee's probably a little bit inflated for a League Two striker, but I think, um, I think you can kind of, you can forget about the, the drop-off in form we've seen in the last couple of months. I think if you get a, a fully focused um, player who's happy, you know, I think he's always been happy at harrogate but he's had his head turned. He had his, his sights set on a move elsewhere, and I guess he thought he'd got that. Um, I think if you get Luke Armstrong through the door, then you'll, I think, be pleasantly surprised with what you get.
2: Right. So that's Luke Armstrong at the way. I could grill you all day on, on Luke Armstrong and what goes on there. The current crop. Now, me and Rich, who I do the podcast with, he. we both thought Harrogate were going to be one of those teams near the bottom, scrapping at the bottom. They're much closer to the playoffs than they are the relegation zone. I think it's like six points off the playoffs now. What's been the story of Harrogate's season then? Uh, how has it
3: gone? It's a funny one because they've been excellent away from home in the last couple of months, I think. Um, they lost to Carlisle in the EFL Trophy last week. But that was the first uh, loss in six away matches. They'd won five in a row, four in League Two and one in the FA Cup. Very good away. Um, I think this, the stats back it up. They're, they're a better team when they have less possession. Uh, it suits them, I think, to kind of try and soak up pressure, play on the counter-attack. Um, at home, they've really struggled. They've only won two games at home in the league all season, Salford and Morecambe. Um, and they got a point against Swindon on Saturday and a game that I feel they should have won, they had the chances to win it. That ended a run of five consecutive home losses. Um, so that's the kind of the story of, of the form recently. Um, I think I expected them to be right, struggling again right down towards the bottom. And I think they're, you know, maybe it sounds a bit daft to say exceeding expectations when they're 14th, but I think gen- genuinely that's, it's a pretty good effort, um, in terms of where I would expect them to be. Looking at, I, I mean, I, I know, I know the in, in kind of some of the, kind of the inside story about the club, and it's not to, you know, put them down anyway to say that I'd expect them to be scrapping away at the bottom like you said, but look at the budget, the size of the club, um, that's that's probably about where you'd expect them to be, but they're they're punching above the weight a little bit. I think they've got aspirations to trying and finish in the top half, um, and they could possibly do that. I think they've had a pretty good season uh, to date. Um, so, yeah, probably a little bit higher than I think a lot of people would have expected them to be. Because the, the thing about this season, I thought, looking at it before a ball was kicked, was there was no obvious. Um, we were in the you know last year, Hartlepool were tipped to struggle and did. Before that, Scum thought with the Whipping Boys. Southend had a really tough time the season before that. There was no obvious for me candidate to really struggle, so you you wondered, you know, who who were the two teams that um you'd expect to be right down there. And I think you know it's not you know it's not stupid to th- say that Harrogate must have been one of the favourites, um, to be in that kind of bottom four or five teams. The bookies certainly had them on as as odds on favourites right at the start of the of the summer. Uh, I think their odds improved a little bit um, as the as the start of the season approach, but um, you know, I think doing doing okay so far.
2: Yeah, so the players that we're looking i I mean I'm looking at the, the line up against Swindon now, four two three one, which Wrexham are expecting to come up against against Morecambe as well. System that's very popular with a lot of managers. Wrexham obviously go with their three five two. Who are the real standouts then for Harrogate this season? Because it's easy to look at maybe a Jack Muldoon, who's a name that's been around this level for, for a while. But is there anyone in particular in that line up front to back that, that really might catch the eye and Wrexham have got to be switched
3: on to? I'm not sure about catch the eye, but I was thinking about this the other day. And the biggest difference, I think, this season to previous years in the Football League... Um, is the two centre-halves, Anthony O'Connor and Rob McDonald. Both very experienced at this level. Um, you need to just do the basics right. Very good in the air, physical, read the game well. Both durable as well, so they're actually, they're actually on the pitch m- more often than not. Um, rather than, you know, plenty of good players knocking about in League Two that, you know, spend that half the time on the treatment table. So they've got two centre-halves who've given them a the platform. Second half of last season, they, they had... Anthony O'Connor and Tom Eastman on loan from Colchester. He went and they brought Rob McDonald in and he's slotted in seamlessly. And they've just got a platform, like I say now, to go on and actually get some results because too often they've conceded far too many goals. Um, and even though they've played well in a lot of games in the previous seasons, they've just not done enough to keep the back door shut. So that's they're the two key players, I think, um, in terms of why they're in a better season. They've just got a bit more... Um, now, like I said, they're actually they're in games. They're staying in games for longer, and they've got the ability to grind out these one nils that they've been getting away from them, these narrow victories. Um, in terms of a standout player who might catch the eye, Sam Falarin. Um, he was more of a winger last season. He's playing more of a central central role through the middle. Um, very very quick. The doubt doubt there's a quicker player in in League Two. Raw pace, and he's really kind of developing as a footballer. Um, he was. As raw as they come when he kind of arrived last season from Middlesbrough. Um, on his day, he's one of those who who really can do a lot of damage. Um, he's got seven goals so far in all competitions. I think only three in League Two, and he should have won in the game against Swindon on Saturday. He missed two one on ones. The second one was one where he had so much time. It, it it looked like a pretty pretty bad miss from where I was um where I was sitting. So he'd be one to to keep an eye out for. Um, you know there's... Other than that, Kane Ramsey at right back has has been pretty, pretty impressive. He was at Southampton, played in the Premier League, um, and he arrived last season and was a bit hit and miss, but has really, really come into his own this season. He's probably the the most um in terms of beating a man, beating a defender, even though he's a right back, um, he's the player who'll drive with the ball and look to go past defenders and he's pretty effective at doing that. So I'd say Kane Ramsey and Sam Falarin are the ones to to watch out for uh, the key men for Harrogate, I think the two centre-halves are going to have a big a big say in how that game plays out, I think.
2: Raw pace is Wrexham's nightmare, so Sam Falarin being the quickest player in the league is not uh, good news for a patched-up uh, Wrexham defence. Lastly then, you know Wrexham will be favourites going into that Harrogate game, as they will be going into the Morecambe game, and they were in the Accrington game and lost that Accrington game. What's Harrogate's best chance, do you think? Is it is it the the defensive solidity to to give them a foundation to build on, or can they use that pace on the counter attack? Because Re- Harrogate, you know, will have a chance. Wrexham have been much better at home than they have away, and it's not a foregone conclusion that Wrexham will go there and
3: and walk away victors. It's a tough one. I mean, they've been better defensively Harrogate without being you know watertight. So I, I don't think they can get away with. Um... You know, just trying to suck up pressure and just playing on the counter-attack, even though that might kind of suit them in terms of their, their best chance. Um, I guess it's, it's like any game. Um, it'll be getting the balance right, more than anything. Um, I, you know, I heard an interview with one of the Swindon players on Saturday and he, he said, oh, Harrogate were much better than we expected them to be. And I think they still get a lot of that. Teams underestimating them. Um, little old Harrogate town, um, but, you know, they're they've proven that they're capable of holding their own. So I think if Wrexham turn up expecting an easy game, chances are they'll um you know, they'll well I say that, I mean Harrogate have been they have got the um they have had the the odd time when they have um not done themselves justice, shall we say. But I think if, if they're underestimated they generally tend to to thrive on that. Um in terms of how the game plays out this is the the thing with so many teams outside the top three or top five in this league. They're so inconsistent, aren't they? So I mean, it's hard to you know hard to to say with any certainty what Harrogate, which Harrogate Town team will turn up. Um, I feel like they're a bit of a crossroads in the season. If they go to Crawley and get a result on Saturday, I think things are looking really rosy um, because they've done so well away from home. They've finally got a positive result at home against Swindon. I think they'll go into that Wrexham game full of confidence. If they go to Crawley and lose on Saturday, then it'll be no wins in the last three games. And, you know, Wrexham, I'm sure, will be licking their lips. Um, I guess it just depends. Um, You know, I know it's a cliche and it, it's an obvious thing to say. First goal is important. I think Wrexham can get the first goal and can control the match. And I think, do Harrogate have the firepower and um, do they have the quality to you know, come back and score a couple of goals. They look dangerous against Swindon on Saturday, but Swindon are playing in a way that they allow you so much opportunity to attack them. They give you a lot of space to get at them and, and the commitment forward. I'm not sure that if, if Wrexham get the first goal, then Harrogate will necessarily have that firepower and quality to to turn it around. But it's it's a tough one to call with Harrogate. They're not the most predictable team. So... Without wanting to sit on the fence too much, I'm going to say the jury's out.
2: So, Rich, Luke Armstrong not playing again until January. Simon Weaver only wants to use players that will be available after January for Harrogate. That means probably no game for six weeks now for Luke Armstrong. He's clearly not been the same since that move to Wrexham fell through when we had that moon picture. Is everybody still awake or is anyone still awake? in that famous pic that's now been deleted but screenshotted a million times. What's your reading of that whole situation? Do you think January the 1st, we're going to see a picture of Luke Armstrong with a scarf up his head at the race course?
1: I wouldn't be surprised if, Rexham went back in for Luke Armstrong just because he was clearly the player that they wanted last summer. I don't think the picture will have changed too much in terms of the targets they will have looked at. I think that if Rexham went back in for him, they'd certainly have to negotiate a, a much lower fee than the one that was suggested last summer and was looking like it's going to be a club record one because I just don't think he has has proven enough really that that he would be that striker. And of course, this season is... Almost a write-off, just because I think, like I said, his head's been elsewhere, he's had to deal with that off the pitch, his whole life being changed in the blink of an eye, really, you know, he will have changed so, so quickly for him and really difficult to pick yourself back up after having a move like that fall through after, you know, it was so publicly announced as well, so... I I, I don't look at him as this season, look, oh, his record this season is poor, so don't go for him. I I still would judge him on what we saw last season. I think that's the fairest way to look at it all because I don't think he will have changed that much from from there. But I just don't... Like like I said earlier, if you're buying a player now, you look at someone like Luke Armstrong, you presume Wrexham would be signing them on a a two-and-a-half-year deal at the very least, maybe three-and-a-half-year deal. Is that the longevity you want if you if there's a very good chance you're playing in League One next season, is Luke Armstrong the player you want? Or do you just end up with another Billy Waters on your hand where you've got someone who has a short-term, sort of, brings a short-term solution to the squad but doesn't bring a long-term one? I just think it's about forward planning for me. And I think that now we head into January with a very realistic chance of getting promoted this season and playing in League One next campaign. I think you do have to look at a, a cut above. I think you've got to be looking at a, a bringing someone even better in and you know I'd absolutely love it if he proved me wrong and I know that we often get distracted and we've criticized it in the past that people go straight to Wikipedia they look at the goal scoring record and they look at their pedigree my concern isn't with the maybe the goal scoring return of Luke Armstrong that much it's the fact that he just is a league two striker Mm. that's just what I see him as you know he's 27 years old now I just don't see him ever sort of pushing it onto the
2: the next level. Rich, I tell you who I would absolutely love, and maybe it's out of reach. But if you're thinking if we're gonna go off the premise that Wrexham can get promoted and they would be League One, then if you're looking for out of favour championship strikers, that shouldn't be, you know, beyond the realm of possibility. A return to the race course for Caden Jackson. Now, he's a bit older now than he was when he was with us, but I think that would be a real coup that would add something that you don't already have. Still got that burst of pace, not really playing as much at Ipswich. I think he's well down the pecking order behind the arcs of Nathan Broadhead and and others there. Caden Jackson, I mean, there are others that, you know, for example, um, you know, Yukovich at Birmingham or Scott Hogan, who aren't playing. There are championship strikers that are out of favour that would have a field day in League One. And look, you know, Alfie May that is at Charlton now, we were trying to get him, Gillingham were trying to get him. He's ripping it up in League One. So there are players out there that can be good fits. Caden Jackson knows what the football club is about. Billy Sharp, of course. Could you imagine? I, I would have no interest in Billy Sharp, as you know. You're only on the wind. No, up. I don't think You're on only the on. You're ones. only on the wind. Up. But Caden Jackson, I don't know what you think about that. It was a difficult time for him when he was with us because he was only young and sort of finding his way. But at yeah, 29... we got loaned out
1: to. Was it Sutton Coldfield? He got loaned out until for the first half of the season. I just remember being so I spoke to his agent a few years ago actually. About his time at Wrexham, And he was just saying, you yeah, know, it was a weird one because it was almost like for the first six months of the season, Wrexham didn't know what to do with this guy. They didn't realise how good he was. And then he got to run into the team towards the end of that campaign and he was electric. He scored a brilliant goal in the derby, um, against Chester FC. He was I, I can't quite remember. There was just there seemed to be a string of games where he just he was so lively and causing the threat and Yeah, he was a real live wire, and it's no surprise for me that he went on to bigger and better things. Of course, I was a bit surprised that maybe he was playing a decent amount of football in the Championship. I think he is probably a player who is a League One striker. So, yeah, I think, like you said, that I just think that now we're in such a good position, and we've proven that even if this season we don't go up, then it will definitely be the aspiration for next season. I was very happy with this being a season of of a stepping stone where we establish ourselves in League 2 and go again next season. I'm not going to be losing sleep if we don't get promoted, probably. I I just think it is still a bit of a free hit, despite the external pressure. But certainly within the next 18 months, Wrexham need to be getting promoted from League 2. So you need to be buying a striker who will then be of worth and have a role to play in League 1. And for me, I just don't see Luke Armstrong... Doing that right now. I'm I'd be very happy to be proven wrong, but you look at our actual choice of strikers. Honestly now, let's take a step back. We weren't gonna have this debate, it's not in our running order. Paul Mullen can do it in League One. Can Dolby and Palmer? Stephen Fletcher? Billy Waters? You've arguably got one striker there who you'd want in League One.
2: Yeah, there's a difference between can they do it and would I want them if I was building out a squad in, in League One. Mullen, you, you'd check the box. The others... Palmer's been
1: brilliant this season, but I do think that there'll come a time where he just can't compete with the very best defenders on a weekly basis.
2: Yeah, I, I, I think he's a, a decent League Two striker. And, you know, maybe in the... But if, I'm saying we're trying to build a squad here to win League One going for you know, with the fourth... Three or four years down the line, whatever it is, Mullin I think can be in that squad. The others, I mean, he, he, someone like a Dolby could end up having liftoff in their career and become unbelievable. But right now, it's it's hard for me to say that he's he's serviceable in the role he is in and has good games and bad games. But I think you're looking at players like a uh, Caden Jackson. who I think he went off to Barnsley when he rejected us in about 2016. That there are there are some. Tough decisions that are going to have to take all the sentiment out of it coming up in the next eighteen months, Rich. In the next eighteen months to two years, most of the promotion heroes you would imagine are not going to be are not going to be there. Um, it you know that's what I would say. So, um, and this is the hard bit when you when you're following a team, you get really attached to players that go. I mean, God help us the day Paul Mullin ends up somewhere else. I mean, that'll be a if he ever goes anywhere else. You know, that'll be a really dark day for us, but. As for those strikers, no room for sentiment. As 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 for those strikers, I would say there's no room for sentiment, and there are better finishes out there. And Wrexham can afford now; they're in a position to go and get those finishes over the next year, two years, three years. And I would expect that that is an area of the pitch where constantly we are going to be ruthless in getting better quality. Rich, I guess that's it then, isn't it for another episode? um not much else to say the bristol street motors draw for the round of 32 is on friday six thirty pm on sky sports in the uk we will obviously bring um all the latest news around that wrexham can play one of four teams they'll be at home they can play either Stockport county an old and familiar nemesis lincoln city of league one burton albion of league one or barnsley of league one so no easy games. We debated, didn't we, whether the under twenty ones would be in our part of the draw. But for some reason, the draw is split, and so Liverpool under twenty ones and Nottingham Forest under twenty ones are in the other side of the northern draw. So, Stockport, Barnsley, Lincoln, and Burton Rich.
1: I don't think there's a correct answer to that question. No. Is there?
2: I, I, don't,
1: I don't really fancy any of them, to be honest. I think Lincoln would perhaps be the. The more favourable of all those ties, just because, I, I, I mean, what Barnsley had playoffs in League One, Lincoln about ninth, Burton mid-table. I, I think Burton are probably the most out of form team of of the bunch. Really, I, I mean, yeah, we'll see. It'll be a tough, it'll be a tough one, but it, I think it just depends on which teams actually have aspirations to go far in the the competition at stage. It's still hard to hard to tell, isn't it? And there's still a lot of football to be left to be played as well, so. We shall see how it all transpires, but as Naif said, that will be brought to you on Friday on the Rob Ryan Red uh, Twitter feed as well, and bring you all the reaction on social media as well, and look at look at that draw in more detail on next week's podcast. Of course, more come this weekend, Harrogate on Tuesday night. We will look back on both of them when we reconvene in a week's time. So Naif, thank you very much once again for being on Rob
2: Ryan Red. Thank you very much. Enjoy your week. Hopefully, six points. Go and get Paul Mullins' book. It's very good. And enter our giveaway.
1: Yeah. Thank you very much once again to Red 10 People Development for their sponsorship of the podcast. Thank you very much to Rex and Bass Band Hypnotic as well for providing the music, the stings that you listen to. Take care and we'll see you again next time. It's the 90th minute. All your mates are around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
0: This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport.
1: Powered by fans.